Welcome to the College Financial Aid and Career Navigation Podcast. Tom and Maria Geffers of Career and College Counselors, along with nationally recognized college financial aid expert Seth Green, teach two things. How to cut the cost of college tuition an average of $19,077 per child per year, and how to land your dream job after you graduate by choosing the right career and major. To get access to more information on how you can make the right choice, simply register at www.careercollegecounselors.com connect. To find out how to save an average of $19,077 per year per child on college tuition, go to www.howtofindmoneyforcollege.com. On the podcast, Tom, Maria, and Seth bring together leading experts in their fields who have experience in the college admission and career application process. They share their secrets so you can do it too. And now, here's your hosts, Tom, Maria, and Seth. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another podcast with Tom and Maria Geppers from Career and College Counselors. And we have a person that we have been following for a long time on YouTube and Facebook, and we are thrilled to have her here with us to uh, give us all her knowledge and her experience Thank you, Julie, for Julie Kim of Julie Kim's Consulting. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Good. And so what we look at, we have usually an overarching question that uh, we'd like you to answer. And one of them is, how do you stand out in the uh, college admissions process? And how would you uh, say for parents to get their application to the top of the pile? Yeah, so I talking about right. So if you could start off with a little bit about who you are and uh, your journey, if you wouldn't mind. Absolutely. So my family and I immigrated to the United States from South Korea when I was in second grade. And so they literally left everything behind to provide us a better education. And so of course, naturally, as a young child, I thought I needed to make this worth it. So for me, getting into a good college and also um, getting into college to begin with was so important to me and my family. And so um, when I was in high school, I did what everyone else is doing. Take a lot of AP classes, take the SATs, volunteer a lot, do a lot of extracurriculars. And when I was a junior, I actually couldn't go to school to take my first uh, semester finals because I got really sick from burnout and overwhelmed, drinking too much coffee and Red Bull. And so I was in bed and I was like, I thought this was what I was supposed to do, but why am I not able to go to school to take my finals? And so at that moment, I was teary in bed and I thought, okay, I need to make a change with my life. And so I decided to drop all of my extracurriculars that didn't really light me up. Honestly, I was just doing it to get into these colleges. And so I dropped a lot of them. And what I started doing was, let me just do what excites me, what I'm passionate about. And so that was mentoring uh, elementary school students. And so I started volunteering at a low-income um, low elementary school nearby East Los Angeles. And um, I realized that the kids were behind in their math. And the reason why they were behind in their math was because they couldn't read and write uh, fluently. So when I realized that problem, 
that's when I created my first passion project. I didn't call it that, but I started uh, a project for these kids where I helped them with the reading and writing and then math. And using that, I uh, reached out to professors at USC and he invited me to speak with, you know, deans and other professors. And I got really involved in the field of education. And so that's how I got accepted into my dream college by doing a few things that I was truly passionate about. And so 10 years later now, I guess it's more than 10 years, but many years later now, that's exactly what my, what I help my high school students do, which is um, do what you're passionate about. And let's use that to get accepted into your dream college. And even if you don't have passion, which is totally okay, because it all starts off with an interest, take action towards things that you're really excited about and things that align with your strength and values in life. And so here I am. <laughs> great, great, I love it. And, uh, you know, as, as a teacher, I appreciate that, that it's important that you uh, follow your dream and your passion and your interest. As a gifted educator, that's what I always uh, said to my students. You know, what, what are you interested in? What is your passion? Because that will light, as you said, that will light you up. And from the lighting up of you, you will actually attract more people uh, and, and be successful because everyone likes to be around someone who has that passion in their eyes. Well, I know you, uh, you help a lot of ambitious students. They have to be ambitious to get into the Ivy Leagues because that's what you help them do, get into the Ivy Leagues and the more selective colleges. So you're already probably working with very ambitious students, but uh, what do you do to get, you know, to help them? What's the first step that you might do to, to get them into this mode of, of, of doing the passion project? Yeah, so there's a lot of students who um, don't know what they're passionate about and maybe they're not so ambitious. And what I realized is that for those students, there's always a common underlying belief that they hold and that is they think that they're not good enough. They think that they're not smart enough. And so we have to first work with that core belief because if that is not uprooted and dealt with, no matter what I teach them, no matter what I tell them to do, they're not going to be able to execute it accordingly because underneath they just think that they're not good enough and smart enough to be a part of this process. And so um, that's one of the first things that we dive into. So why do you think that you're not good enough? Why do you think that you're not smart enough? Where did you learn that? Because when we're born and we're babies, we're not like crying to mom and dad, like I'm not good enough, right? We're all born with this amazing special talent and gift. And gradually as students get older and wiser, they start to pick up on things and they think that that is true about themselves when it's not. And so that's where we began. And as soon as um, students are able to shift from that place of I'm not good enough to, you know what? My success is inevitable. I will achieve my dreams. I am good enough. Then we take the students through, okay, what is the first thing that you could do? What is your interest? What is your strength? And based on that, we have them take their very first action. And so that first action could be taking a certificate class about a topic that they're interested in. It could be starting a passion project. It could be reaching out to professionals to interview them. It could be shadowing doctors. It could be shadowing lawyers. So I always tell my students, you have to take action. Otherwise, you're not going to know whether you like it or not. And so that action could eventually lead into a strong interest and then lead into a passion. 
Right, so you really delve into the metacognition as well as the self-image of that, that student, which is so important. Um, our students are really facing some of the uh, really distorted images out there that uh, if they're not the elite basketball or sports person or, any, you know, the cheerleader, then they're, they're just not worth it. And, you know, um, that's exciting to hear that you actually build on that, that self-image. You are... Yeah. Uh I know it's hard to get kids to sometimes talk depending on their personalities. And we, we find that too, you know, when we're working with them and sometimes you just have to keep nudging them and lighting a fire on them. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. the nature of teenagers. But do you do, do you uh, do any kind of testing or do you recommend any kind of testing for them to find their passion if they're really stuck? Yeah. So one of the things that I do have my students do is to identify their strengths. And so I recommend uh, an assessment called Strength Finder Assessment. And so that's one exam that I have my students work on, especially if they don't know themselves what their strength is. Because typically what I see is that when students identify what their strength is and they create a passion project around that, that becomes a very quick passion that kind of lights them up versus like, if I'm not the best writer and I know that I'm not the best writer, then obviously I'm not gonna be writing a book. I'm not gonna be writing a blog. And so that's one test that I have my students take, especially if they really have no idea. Right, right. Alan, I know you, you talk a lot about in your uh, videos and, and, and such on Facebook about extracurricular, how it, you know in the old days, back in the day, like you said earlier, you know, everybody was taking eight, 10 different, you know, uh, curriculars, they were burning themselves out, and that's what happened to you. And, and, and I think they're moving, people are starting to realize that and they're moving away from that. But um, I'm sure they still have a problem of, 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 you know, dropping these things that they're used to doing. You know, just saying like, uh, cold turkey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop doing all this stuff and just do one or two or three things that I'm really interested in. Do you have a problem or do you, of, of getting students to drop their extracurriculars or do they buy into the passion project and, and see how important it is? Yeah, so I tell my students that you're not going to have, you know, 10 of essays are you going to need to write about all the extracurriculars that you did. At the end of the day, they want a 605, 650 word count essay and a few supplemental essays. And so um, what I like to share with my students is a formula for your application, which is what they want to know is number one, your academic interest, in other words, your major, and then also a personal interest, and then your strength, personality, and values. And whatever whatever that you're doing right now, if that does not fit into that formula, you're not going to be talking about it in your application in any way. First of all, you don't have enough space. And number two, um, it, now then you're really cluttering your application, which then it's really hard for admission officers to really know who you are, especially when you have so many things you want to relay to them. So that's what I tell them. And so, yeah, like my students, they will drop a few extracurriculars, especially the ones that were just taking up a lot of their time and they weren't really excited about it. It felt more of like a mandatory thing that they had to do. Right. Yeah. So they do hold on to a few extracurriculars and then they'll start a passion project. And so I think that's a really good balance. Right. Good, good. Can, good. You, can you talk about a little bit about, you know, since they dropped the SATs and ACTs or made, made them, you know, test optional, that the, I think you've talked about this in your videos, that the amount of applications coming into the Ivy Leagues and the selected schools have, you know, went up 25, 35%. So they're inundated with applications. 
And there is no way, or the, the only way to, you know, to, you know, get your application to the top of the pile is really to stand out somewhere because they're not looking at your test scores. And can you, can you talk about the importance of that? You know, and do you see that happening in the future or is it going to calm down a little bit, you know, with the applications, the number of applications? Yeah, I think COVID-19 really pushed for SAT. And I mean, it wasn't a push that had to be done because students couldn't go to testing centers to take these exams. And so I think it really sped up the process of dropping SATs. Some of the Ivy League and top two colleges were already kind of doing that. Um, what I see happening is that, you know, the SAT and ACT will eventually not become a huge part of the application process. And that's just my prediction. But um, to answer your question, oh, can you hear me okay? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, and to answer your question, the way that you can stand out without the SAT and ACT in place is to show that you're academically very um uh, capable, that you can take rigorous classes and that you have a really good idea of why you want to pursue your major and things like that. So one of the a few ways that I help my students out with that process is um, getting research or intern positions um, that align with your academic interests. And so showing colleges, yes, I might not have the best SAT scores, or actually I didn't even take the SATs, but I can assure you that I'm really interested in psychology. And so I started working under this professor at UCLA. And right now we're diving into research topics such as A, B, and C. And so that gives assurance to colleges, oh, wow, the student is already actually diving into this academic field and he has a really good idea. And so if we were to accept him, he would probably continue this or benefit from the resources that we have at our school. And another benefit of that is um, the professors can write you a recommendation letter for your colleges too. And as you probably know, recommendation letters are becoming really important in the college admission process, especially because so many kids have good GPAs and extracurriculars that they have to kind of look at the lasting on the application, which is recommendation letters. And so those are some of the ways that I've helped my students compensate not having an SAT score or ACT score. Um, so that's one. And of course, GPA is becoming even more important. So taking a lot of AP classes and getting good grades. Mm -hmm. we, we find that too. AP classes are, are actually now getting more, yeah. um, they're, they're weighted heavily now mm -hmm. in the application process. I have a question, if you wouldn't mind. You know, you speak about working underneath uh, professors or an educator. You know, we're on the East Coast. I know you're on the West Coast. How would you advise a student who is here in the West, in the East Coast, to approach a professor about working with them? Do you have any recommendations for that? Yeah, so when my students reach out to professors, they reach out to all the professors all over the country. And the way that they do that is because, um, first of all, they're emailing them with a very strong story and why they would like to hop on a call with the professor. And on the call, they ask, is there any way that I can um, help you out? Or is there any way that I can participate in what you're doing? And so um, my students are participating in professors work all virtually. So it's okay, because I've had a student where she lives in San Francisco, but she was able to assist a professor at Brown University. So they're like completely the end of the country, but they're still able to work together. So I would definitely um, reach out and network and don't be too bounded by the, the location, right? Thank you. 
Is there, is there anything special uh, to do in the summertime since we're in the summer now and uh, if you're a rising senior, uh, what do you recommend that they do in the summer activity-wise or, or you know, getting that passion project going? Yeah, so before your senior year, that's actually your last few months that you can spend wisely to show college admission officers who you are academically and personally. And one of them is to work on something that will be a climax to your application. So, and that's where I would definitely talk about passion projects, working on something that you're passionate about, turning it into a platform, um, or even doing research or interim position and getting your hands a little dirty with the field that you would like to go into. So of course, that will fill up the extracurricular bucket of your summer. Also, if you didn't take the SAT or ACT, summer is a really great time to prepare for that because you don't have to struggle with maintaining your GPA. So summer is like the two, two to three months where you're like, all right, let's get this SAT score to where you want it to be. Um, and of course, working on your uh, recommendation letter packets that you're gonna be sharing with your um, recommenders in the fall, your common app essay, supplemental essays. Also, it looks like colleges are doing a lot of virtual info sessions. So attending a lot of them, so you get a good idea of the fit with the colleges. And also scheduling for interviews. I guess I can go on and on. <laughs> scheduling for interviews. You have a bucket list there. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, those are some of the important things. But obviously, the important one is definitely your essay and preparing for the application. That would be the most important. Is there any time when it's too late? Uh, you know, uh, like senior year um, going, it's December. You know, is it too late for... Uh, a student who decides, wakes up all of a sudden and decides, gee, I really need to get going on this as, you know, a lot of students all of a sudden have that great awakening that life, you know, they're going to be making choices soon. So um, is there a time when you say, oh, honey, I can't help you? <laughs> I would say probably as soon as they start their senior year, um, that's kind of like, because I specialize in more of the passion project and what goes into your application. So that's a time when you have to kind of like wrap things up, right? And start to work on your essays. And so um, that's usually when I say, I cannot help you at this point, but I know there are so many amazing other counselors and college consultants out there where they do still assist students um, especially if they're going into their senior year with their essays. And so, I mean, even if you are a senior listening to this and you're thinking, oh, geez, I don't have time to do all of those things that Julie's talking about, um, I would still really focus on who you are and your story and your values and what you can bring to the campus and then work on crafting a really good essay. Um, yeah. Well, if senior year, and we know that senior year is, is late to do anything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What, what, is, what is the ideal uh, uh, grade that you would like to start working with students? Um, I would say ninth, 10th grade, 11th grade, any of those grade levels, because I realize that even if you're a freshman, you can be very mature for your age. And then even for sophomores, you can be very mature for your age. And so I don't restrict it by the grade level, but I'll just say whenever you're ready to learn and take action, let's get started. And so usually that age, age range is a good one. Do you get the parents involved? And if, if so, how so? So I have a, yes, I, I love to talk about this. So when I first started the college consulting business, I had parents come on the call and 
it was very much like the three-way street kind of thing. And what I realized was that most of the students who came in to work with me, they were forced by their parents to come in. So they'll be like, you know, looking at me like this, like, okay, what do I need to do? Um, and so what I really wanted to do with our programs that we offer right now is we wanted to inspire and motivate students and bring their parents once they are motivated to work together. And so honestly, we don't have too much parent involvement until only when it's time to apply and they need to work on the financial aid and that kind of materials. But for the most part, I would say 90% student driven. Mm -hmm. um, and we like that because they come in all motivated, like, okay, let's get to work. And parents don't even know what they're doing. And I'm like, I love that. <laughs> um, so, well, but, you know, a lot of kids don't like to talk to their parents anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But there are things that parents need to know and be aware of. And so um, that, that's something that they could definitely do on the side. Yeah. Good. Um, a lot of people always say, you know, that I have this one book that I read that changed my life. Um, do you have a book that really uh, inspired you and that you would like to, uh, recommend to other young, um, you know, students or college students to make that transition to really inspire them. Yeah, I, I wish I could show you the, the my bookshelf here. We have, I have so many books. So I'm huge on mindset. That's because when I was young, I did what everyone was telling me to do. And I eventually kind of had to fall down to finally realize like, why am I alive? Like, why am I doing this to begin with? And who am I, right? Um, so the book that opened my doors to the mindset world is the book by Lewis Hay. And um, there's two actually. One, the first one that I read is The Powers Within You. And then the second book is You Can Heal Your Life. And so those two books kind of opened my doors to this world. And um, I think it's a very easy read. And I think that's why I dived into it so quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good, good. And do you reread that and reread it when you need some energy and some, uh, you know, that little bit of a, I can do this? Oh, yeah, I go back to it. Like, when I have a bad day, or when I'm like, Oh, this is so hard. I'll just go and open up like, you know, a page. And I'm like, Okay, that was a good sentence that I needed. <laughs> but honestly, there are so many good books now about mindset. And so I'm always ordering books on Amazon and um, so never running out of books. To read. <laughs> always good. Always good. Yeah. When you started your business, uh, Julie, what would you say would be, would have been your biggest mistake that you made? I think my biggest mistake was thinking that the more I gave, the better it's for the students and the parents. And what I mean by that is I used to um, have a package where I would meet them like every week <laughs> and really uh, undersell myself. And I just wanted to over deliver, over deliver. And I think now looking back, like students don't need like a weekly kind of check-in all the time. Like they don't need someone to be on their, like, um, you know, to be on their, front yard always telling you what to do um, because I feel like it's not about how much I deliver but it's about delivering good quality instruction and coaching and so um, yeah back then when I started it was all about quantity that I focused on and now 
um, to me, every, if I'm going to create a YouTube video, if I'm going to create a resource for my students, I make sure that it is very step-by-step -step high quality. Um, and I focus on that quality more than quantity aspect. So good, good. As a teacher, uh, we all have those memorable moments that just take our breath away. Um, could you tell us what your most memorable moment was when you're dealing with a student or a parent? Yeah. Um, Honestly, when students tell me that they now feel like they can do this, I, I don't, to me, I know I, my job is to get you into your dream college, but I get more excited when students say, Julie, like, I believe in myself now. I think I can do it, really. Those comments and messages and emails and those kinds of things just light me up the most. Um, more than college acceptances. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand that. Yeah. yeah. You have your students come back and, and talk to you too. That's always, uh, that's a special bond between a, a student and a teacher. Um, let's see, uh, what, how do you stay current in your business? I know, you know, we are in the college business and it's always turning around and they're always adding and subtracting. So how do you keep up with with all of this uh, drinking from a fire hose, if you will? Yeah, so, I mean, I keep myself very updated in terms of how the colleges are changing. So, you know, the big FISC guidebook? Well, I order that every year and um, I literally go through the co each colleges and create a training for my students. And so that helps me also learn like how is this college changing? What are they looking for in students? And then I also get to share that with my students. So I make sure that I keep my myself very updated to the updates that's happening with the colleges. And of course, looking at primary data, like common data set, college navigator, those kinds of things, um, reading books uh, from college admission experts, um, attending info sessions that colleges offer. Um, and honestly, just by going on Facebook, you can learn so much. I'm like, oh, this happened? Okay, good to know. So um, I think just the online space, is doing a really great job informing the counselors and consultants as to what's happening. Um, yeah. You had mentioned you have a couple of different programs uh, that you are, uh, that students are able to uh, participate in. Could you give us a, a brief description of them so that parents who are watching this can see if, if and where their student falls uh, is the best, is the best program for them? We have our signature program called the Passion Project Bootcamp, and it's a hybrid program where um, it's a combination of all the videos and lessons and instructions that you can follow to create a standout factor to your application, creating a passion project, how to select your classes, when is it best to take SAT and ACT, how to fill out the common application, all of those things. So all of those lessons and videos are stored in our uh, portal. And then we also host monthly live Q&A sessions where I answer any questions students have. And so these live Q&A sessions are group-based. And the reason why we do group-based is because so many students will ask questions that maybe you never thought about. And so you learn from other students' questions as well. And also everyone's kind of working hard and motivating each other, inspiring each other. And so that helps students feel less lonely about this process. Like, oh, I'm not the only one who's scared about this process. And so they start to build a bond together. So that's our signature program that we have and um, the second tier program is more of a more of a 
you know, one-on-one interaction. Um, They'll still be in a Zoom room with other students, but there will just be more coaching involved. And so um, it's it's literally the same thing as Passion Project Bootcamp, but more um, coaching in terms of quantity. So those are the programs we offer. Good, good. Well, thank you. I have a question. <laughs> okay. Uh, COVID, COVID is over, hopefully. It's not going to come back and haunt us uh, next fall with a uh, college process. Uh, and this might be kind of a tough question, but w- in your opinion, where do you see the admissions process and the co- college process going over the next few years? Do you see any big changes or something that might be on the horizon since you keep track of a lot of these things that maybe they're starting to talk about a little bit? and it will become a reality. Any ideas there, opinions? I definitely think that the SAT and ACT will not be a part of the college admission process one day. And I think that change is gradually starting to happen, Um, especially like UC schools, they're like just taking it out for two years completely and they're gonna see whether they are still attracting qualified students into their programs and colleges. And so, yeah, Taken, considering that the test prep is not going is going to be a huge um, exclusion from this process, I feel like there's going to be more emphasis on the students' academic interests. Like you're coming into our school, and what experience do, do you have? Why do you want to study this at our school? I feel like it's going to be much more like career driven. Um, more than just like, okay, come to our college and see what happens, you know, kind of explore kind of thing. Um, And I hope that, this is just my hope and wish, is that I hope that colleges, when viewing their application, viewing applicants' application, that they consider just more genuine responses. Like, even if they didn't go to an expensive summer program, that they will still accept the student based on their just self, like their genuine self and who they are. I, I wish that it could just be a little bit more authentic than always being it about what did you do kind of thing. Because as an immigrant myself, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't afford anything. I couldn't do anything. And so all I had was me, my story. And so um, I hope that it will more it will head towards that direction. I, th- I think you're right there because, uh, I, you know, we see that happening as well, especially about colleges being more specific in, in what they teach and, and career-wise mm-hmm. and why do you want to come to this college mm-hmm. and will you graduate in four years? We're big sticklers on making sure students graduate in four years. Right. And the right major, the right career focus, you will do that because nothing is said and then dropping out of school after two years or three years having big loans and not having a, a degree. doesn't happen that often in Ivy Leagues and, and selective schools because, you know, they, they have good students and they, and they usually get out in four years. But I think you're right in the direction of, you know, where colleges will be going. Um, <clears throat> is there any topic that we haven't touched on tonight that you want to bring up or think is, is important for us to know? Touched on quite a few. Um, I think we've covered it. Yeah, we actually <laughs> did talk about everything from mindset to the future of college admissions. Um, I think that's it. I mean, if I had one advice to students and parents listening to this is um, to start with your mindset and to believe that anything and everything is possible for you. 
don't give up. Start with that strong foundation and everything else will naturally unfold for to the best of your future. So that's such great advice. Thank yes. you, Julie. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for, for being with us today, tonight. And um, if someone wants to contact you, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, so we have a free training for all students and parents. And so that would be the very first place that you can go to to learn more about me, our company, and our programs. And the link for that is www.juliekimconsulting.com forward slash masterclass. And so that's where you can attend our free training. Great. Very well, good. Thank you again. And we were so glad that you uh, came and uh, let us interview you. Uh, and we're not disappointed, just in case you didn't want to know. <laughs> you know. Thank you. Information. Right. And thank you. thank you all our listeners who have decided to join us. And uh, I think Julie did a great job of how to make your application stand out. And what is your passion project? All good, great information. Thank you, Julie, again. Thank you.